Hi, Doc. Good to have you on the show. Hey, man, it's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I, I, I love what you're all about. I appreciate your, uh, you're doing this on video. No podcasters are doing video, so I love this. This is terrific. <laughs> so um, for everyone who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Where do you want me to start? Back uh, at my birth, or should I start the career reinvention, or where do you want even me to go? That, even before that. Even before that. We've all been. On, <laughs> we've all been on this world many times before we actually came back. Who our personal bodies are, but uh, I won't get too woo for you because I don't know exactly who your community <laughs> is. But uh, I think what what has defined me most recently was a career reinvention in 2013 after spending um, 30 or so years as a uh, as a DJ in the uh, upscale market in Washington, D.C. in the United States. Cool. I uh, moved out to, uh, yeah, that was really cool, and I've enjoyed it, and I've had a great career, um, but I knew that that wasn't really my life's purpose, uh, and uh, while it was fun to create a party environment for as long as we were doing that. How come? This literally, sounds like a, like a great job. So. <laughs> oh, it, and it was a great job, and, and it continues to be a great job, but it, uh, I'm 55 years old now, and at the time I started, I was uh, probably in my early 20s, and it was a great environment, and then when you start to raise a family and have kids, the environment isn't so great for that. And then when you start to get into your 40s, it's like, hey, who's this old dude behind the turntables? And then when you get to 50, it's like, okay, this guy should not be out on the dance floor any longer. <laughs> so so uh, I, I started to think about in 2013, reinvention of my career. And, and that led me to a, um, a speaking career, uh, writing a book, and then, uh, and then launching this podcast that I have called The Nice Guys on Business Podcast uh, about five years ago. And uh, a thousand plus episodes and three and a half million downloads later, here I have a production company that does podcast production now, and that's kind of in a nutshell that that is my story. That's you know from from way back to the beginning. And and how did you get into that, and why did you start a podcast? Yeah, in the first place. So um. Sure. So in 2013, I reinvented my career as a professional speaker, and my uh, speaking coach said, "You and, really and by the way, it. was it hard like to quit the DJing part, or was it like easy uh, for you? When you're 21 or 22, everything's easy for you. You know, it's like like you're immortal, and everything comes easily to you. Um, and at the time, I wasn't doing it necessarily for the money. I was doing it for the for the fun of the environment and to get paid." Seventy-five dollars uh, U.S. for a, um, uh, you know, for two or three hours worth of work, and as a twenty-something—that's a lot of money, even part-time. <laughs> it's beer money. It's fun money. Uh, so I didn't really ha start making that a full-time income until I was uh, in my early thirties, and um, you know that was great. But uh, but I really wanted something that was going to take me to the next step in this in the speaking career, and the, so. When I got into the speaking business, a book uh, was was on my goal list, so I had to write a book in order to be a, a known speaker and a high-paid speaker. So when I wrote the book, I wanted a, a, a platform to promote it, and I started a podcast to promote my book. Little did I know how popular the podcast was going to be, and it, it did take several years before it started to get popular, but when it hit – it hit big, and and um, and we've been enjoying the uh, the podcast run for, like I said, about five years now. So, um, looking back on your life, like, could you please share with us what have been the best moments so far, and what have been the worst moments so far? Well, I got to take that now to the personal side. My best moments probably been the uh, the birth of my two kids. I have two wonderful kids. I have a 23 year old son, Adam, and a 27 year old or 26 year old daughter, Rachel. And by far, they are the biggest highlights of, of my life. Um, it's really great. While when you when you bring up your kids early on, they come to you because they need you. You know, they you you nurture them and they and you feed them, and that's terrific. And then somewhere around uh, ten or eleven years old, they go off to this other place <laughs> for probably about seven or eight years, and it's almost like a let's call it hell. <laughs> so they go to this place and, and they, they forget about you as parents. Like you're totally not cool and nothing you do is right for them. And, uh, and then somewhere around 20, they both start, start to make their way back to you. They ask advice, they need information. They, they, they actually, while you're still not cool to them, uh, you do take on a different role. So I love the role that I play with my kids right now. It's more of a uh, of a mentor for my son and an advisor for my daughter, and I really do enjoy that. So I would say that would be some of the some of the highlights. Um, some of the low uh, moments, um, you know, I've I've been through un unfortunately uh, two marriages that did not work, 
And um, I've had some heartbreak in my life and some areas that I know that, um, you know, that the only common denominator in both my failed relationships is me. <laughs> so I know that probably uh, some of this stuff is is on me. And, and um, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would learn a little bit more about myself before entering into any big relationship like that. So while it was a challenging time, it did teach me a lot about who I am and what I'm all about. So I think nowadays a lot of people want to create a podcast, uh, want to build a brand. And um, could you please share with us, like, how did the early years of your podcast look like? Oh, they were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about when you started your show, but I mean, literally, it took us two years before we could really dig out from what we were doing. We had no idea, and we're again five years into this now. And I'm still learning things every day about doing, you know, how to do things differently and better and more effectively and efficiently. But in the beginning, we didn't really know anything about how to interview guests properly. We didn't know how to invite guests. We didn't have any systems in place. So we learned about editing and production and editorial calendars and all of the things that really do uh, require your, your attention if you're going to have a successful show. So we, uh, we stumbled through those first two years pretty, pretty well. Um, until we finally figured out what we really needed to do in order to make this thing work. And, and what were those things? To make it work or what to, or to, to not make it work? Both. <laughs> so, so let me start with the things that are positive. The stuff that we realized much later on, and again, this came probably two plus years into it, is that when you think about it, Hardy, people do get into podcasting for really one of three reasons. They get into it to build community, they, do, they get into it to uh, grow their influence or they get into it to make money. And which one of those three things would be your priority would determine the system that you have to have in place. For example, if you wanted to be an influencer, your best way to be an influencer is by having other influencers associated with you on your show. So I have an entrepreneur podcast. So people like Gary Vaynerchuk, John C. Maxwell, Jeffrey Gittimer, I mean, <clears throat> big names in the world of, of selling, entrepreneurship, sales, training, really key to have them. Now, they are never going to become clients or even refer clients to me. So to become an influencer and to think, okay, I've, be, I've got this podcast and I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to make money, but geez, I haven't made any money. Well, it's because the guests I've had on my show haven't been in a position to either uh, buy my services or refer me to anybody. So I'm only looking at it now from an influencer perspective. Mm -hmm. So we really didn't understand that there are three buckets that you can put guests into. If you have a guest based show that can help you build your business, influence community or money. And that was a really key. Could you uh, give us a, our... a few more examples, please? Sure. Okay. So that's the influencer side. If you want to build community, the best way to do that is by having people that are, are, uh, are big, um, uh, social media, have big communities themselves. So let's say that you're going to be a guest on my podcast, which I would love to invite you on my show when we <laughs> conclude, th conclude this. But let's say that you have 100,000 Twitter followers and, and legions of Facebook uh, like fans and pages and likes and groups, uh, part of groups, and you're very big onto writing uh, articles on LinkedIn and you have a blog. If you are a, um, uh, if you have a huge community, my best way to grow my community is not through me just pounding on my podcast and say, okay, community, get me more listeners, find more listeners for me. My best way to do that is to get somebody like you on my show and have you help me promote my message and your message to your community at the same time. So that would be, that would be a, a way that you could build community. A way to make money on your show, there's actually five or six ways that you can make money podcasting. Advertising and sponsorship is one. Okay. Affiliate relationships, meaning having a product or service that's closely aligned to yours on your show and you represent that product and make a commission from that sale if somebody's clicking on that link and buying that product. Um, donations or contributions to your show is another. Uh, selling your ser services to your community, but you need a community in order to do that. So see community building activities. That would be how you do that. Turning your guests into clients, having great clients like you on my show that uh, want to learn these things, and then then you become a client of mine because you become a, a coaching student of my of my services. But by far the biggest way to to make money uh, using your your show as your platform is to create joint venture partnerships. Joint venture joint venture partnerships are are a way for me to align my services with your services, and we collectively go out to the market and we build something together. Or 
I take an existing product that I have or an existing service that you have. We combine the two and we, so we don't have to learn anything new. We now just introduce it as this is the partnership between Doug and Hardy. So yeah. if it's money, influence, or community, those are great ways for you to help build your message and your, and your, uh, and your show. Yeah, and for everyone who is listening to this right now, I would also like to add that if you want to directly monetize your podcast through sponsors and this and that, you need quite a listenership. Like, you won't make any money whatsoever if you have quite a, 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 a small following. So um, I think uh, the usual price is something like uh, $10 for a 1,000 viewers or something. So yeah, it's, um, if it's you want to make any... Yeah, if you want to make any any like if you want to make real money, you need a big followership to make that work. So, and and let me let me add this, and I and I appreciate you saying that so much. Industry standards do not mean anything to me. So if somebody okay. says to me, "Hey, well, you have," let's say that somebody has a show, and let's say a big show, and I'll let you answer this question because maybe you can. What would you say would be the typical size audience of a good podcast? Like how many listeners per per episode would you say would be a, a good amount for somebody to have? I don't know. Maybe 100K, 10K or something okay. like that. So, okay. So let's big. just – yeah, let's just say that a good show would have 10,000 listeners per episode. At 10,000 listeners per episode – that means, and that, that is uh, CPM, cost per mil, cost per thousand listeners. At ten thousand, that is that is worth anywhere between seventy-five to one hundred and fifty dollars for you to have a commercial on your show. Now, I don't know about you, but if I have three commercials on my show at four hundred and fifty dollars, and I'm doing a weekly episode, that means I'm going to make about eighteen hundred dollars a month from my show. That is not enough to make a living for me, and I am not saying that that's a little bit of money. That's nothing to sneeze at. But there sure. are, number one, there's relatively few shows that have that many listeners because most shows that even are good, I mean, I think it's the statistic is overwhelming. It's something like um, 98% of shows that are out there have less than 200 listeners per show, per episode. So at 200 listeners, you're literally talking about making $5 a show for And for by the way, even very big names on social media, I've talked to uh, one, one guy um, who's working at Libsyn, and it's like a very big service, I think, over in the U.S. Yeah. And um, he told me that even the guys with millions of followers on YouTube sometimes have quite a, a small uh, podcast following. So. So you're probably talking to Rob Walsh then. Yeah. That's probably yeah, who yeah. you're excited. I know Rob. I know Rob very well. So yeah. So very friendly. Majority, he's always responding to emails. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's a good guy. The issue is that people that think they're going to get rich from advertising and sponsorship, the only celebrities are going to get rich from advertising and sponsorship or those that have a big audience that have grown it outside of podcasting and have brought yeah, that audience Jim to Paris, podcasting. Jim Paris, Joe Rogan. You got guys. it, man. You got yeah. it. Go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. So, <laughs> so from an advertising perspective, don't rely on the industry standards. You know, the way that we look at it is, we'll charge anywhere from five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars per episode for sponsorship mm -hmm. for our show, and it still is a very small portion of our of the income that we make from our show. We may make anywhere from twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year in sponsorship if if we're lucky. Now, again, that is not a small amount of money. But it's insignificant compared to all of those other things that I talked about when it comes to how do you make money, especially. I mean, we make hundreds of thousands of dollars from joint venture partnerships. We make a tremendous amount of money from affiliate relationships that we have from people that uh, selling services on the show. And we teach other people how to do the same thing. And, and, and that's, how, that's how, does, how does those things work uh, work like? like I, I never thought about like joint venture partnerships and affiliate marketing. And I know those things are very, very popular. And um, a lot of people make those things work. But um, yeah, could you please get into that? I think everyone who is listening to this would love to hear like um, your thoughts on that. So. Sure. So the idea behind affiliate relationships is pretty simple, but there is one misconception that we have out there. The more affiliate relate, the misconception is this: the more affiliate relationships that we have, the more money that we're going to make. And in essence, that would sound, you know, in theory, that sounds like that would be the right thing. However, you can't spread yourself too thin. If you're sharing and if you're aligning with a uh, hundred companies that are out there, and you have affiliate relationships with each one. You really aren't going to be able to spend a appreciable amount, appreciative amount of time 
on each one of those to be able to do it any justice. So if you have five to 10 really good relationships with people that are closely with companies that are closely aligned to the services that you like, we have an entrepreneur um, show. So our show, if we align, let's say with FreshBooks, uh, which is a, uh, an accounting software, and we had a really good relationship. Not only do we teach, um, do we teach our community about FreshBooks and earn a commission every time somebody goes and buys from from them, but we want Fresh to, FreshBooks to be so engaged and involved because we're sending them so much business. We want them to help us also promote our show because mm-hmm. they may not have a Bingo. marketing arm. Right. That's the key. <laughs> so five to ten Very relationships clever. is. Yeah, five to ten is much better than a hundred. Even though it sounds like a hundred would be great because we have income coming from all bunch of different sources. And and by the way, I can so much relate to that because um, I've done nearly like three hundred episodes. I have another German uh, podcast, and um, like all the return and investments that I get, it doesn't matter like in which area of my life. It it comes from a very handful select, uh, a, a very small set yeah. of people. Like it's not from all the three hundred guests. Like not totally. nearly. At all, like it's a very small subset of those people. So, but you have to go through the 300 to find those small subset. Like in yeah. our thousand episodes for Nice Guys on Business podcast, we've probably done I've probably done 700 plus interviews. I don't have 700 joint venture relationships and affiliate relationships. I have a handful of them that make us a, a, a boatload of money from those from those handful of relationships, and that's really the key. The key is to is to is to fine tune, build the relationship, and work that relationship to the mutual benefit of both our company and their company as well. And that's a win for everybody. That's a win that people don't want to walk away from somebody that is helping them build their business, and they're helping me build my business at the same time. And and and, and for everyone who is listening to this right now, who is just about starting or launching their own podcast, and who hasn't done like 700 episodes or 300 right. episodes, like what would you tell them? Get it started. Uh, the, the, the issue is this. Here's, here's what the problem is with most people. The problem with most people is that they want to be perfect at it. And I would always tell them, do, do not let perfect be the enemy of done. Launch your podcast. Get it out there, whether it's through a DIY or through a Google search or through a pro- professionally produced show like, like we, you know, we're a production company. So, of course, I'm going to promote my services. But I don't care how it gets done. You've got to be bad before you get good. And the best way to do this is just get started. Can, can uh, do you use four-letter words on your show? Are you okay with the expletives? Okay, great. <laughs> Fuck it up really good, and then we will figure out how to straighten it out. But it, you cannot steer a parked car. Get that car rolling down the road, and then we have something to work with. You can't tell me I want to have a perfect welcome episode. My that first episode's got to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Just launch your show. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. I think um, if you even think about monetizing your show when you uh, have n- only done like five or ten episodes, I think it gets serious. So, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so the so the other side of it is is this. It's the joint venture partnerships, very similar to your affiliate relationships. You just got to get them. You got to get it rolling. I can't until I start to interview people and start to network with people as a as a podcaster that is worth talking to, it took me two years before I even opened up my mouth to have a conversation with somebody outside of my podcast about, hey, maybe we could do something together because now we got 200 episodes behind us and we got a ton of listeners, but we're not making any money from our show. And so for me, it was really just the realization that if I wanted to make money from my show, I have to talk about something other than my podcast. I got to figure out what service, what product, what something would my would my community see that is valuable? So then you start to engage with your community. You start to build your your um your services list, the things that you do through your community, and then joint venture partnerships always come out of that because mm-hmm. now you're you're talking to people that trust you. You've been here for two years. They've been listening to you. They know all of your ups and downs. If you if you're truly yourself when you do your podcast, then they'll know who you really are and they'll trust you. And that's the key to it as well. And and I think it's so important to not sell out because I think in some uh, nowadays, like so so many entrepreneurs or podcast hosts, they are like advertising so much garbage on their podcast. I'm like, man, are you really believing in those products? Like, I wouldn't right, drink that right. shit in a million years. So, um, <laughs> and I had a few companies hit me up, 
and um, they said like we would love to advertise on your podcast but for instance some of them are maybe great companies but i've already shared with my listeners that i'm not really big into meditation so i can't advertise for headspace like right it, right it, it doesn't work like that so right um i think you need to really think long term and um yeah even though it it hurt my uh it hurt my financials at times um i'm declining all those things that i either don't really believe in and or that i'm not personally using so um yeah. Yeah. And you know where you, you can probably find your best advertisers are probably in your community. You now have several hundred episodes that are behind you. And what you could do is say to your community, hey, I am taking on advertisers and sponsors right now for my show. But I really only want to take them from those that are listening to my show because you already know me. So if you feel like you have a product or service in alignment with what we do and what we say here on our show, then please reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. And if you have a little easy form, so guys, for them on your you website, have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. So that's right. <laughs> if, yeah, you got it. You got, and then and then make it easy for them. You you have to have as le as little friction between you and your and your community as possible. So it's reach out to you on social media. It's go to my website. Website. I already Instagram, have a form fill that you can fill my out. Website. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Make it as little friction as possible between you and your and your um, you know and your community. And um, could you please speak about like the production side? So we have covered like the financial side of podcasting, but what have you learned um, on the production side? So um, to be honest, I wouldn't like. Uh, think of myself that I'm an expert on the production side. So could you please speak to that? Yeah, I, I definitely am not an expert on the production side either personally, which is why <laughs> I have a team that, that does that. So I really, I, really, um, I really emphasize the importance of staying in your zone of genius. And my zone of genius is relationship building and selling. So for me to step outside of my zone of genius and do podcast editing or production work or social media push or, um, or, can, or, or graphic design or spreadsheets or any of those things – that takes the business for me and it makes it very not fun. That would take this podcast that I do, uh, you know, three or four days, sometimes five days a week, and it would make it a non-fun activity. And when I have something that's not fun in my life, I procrastinate and I'm not going to do it. So the, the thing that we started actually four years plus into creating this, um, this podcast was um, that we are only going to stay within our zone of genius. So my partner, Strickland, he and is by a, the way, I think engineer. this is fa fa fantastic advice. What and it, thank you. And I thank you. And it's advice regardless of what you do, yeah. whether it's podcast, yeah, anything. Stay in your zone of genius. So podcast production is not my thing, but my partner Strickland, his his thing is audio production. So mm -hmm. he was in a he was in a band for thirty plus years. We met through the DJ business that I had. He's in a band. I'm a DJ. He likes audio production. I like music. So I like the front house. He likes the back of the house. So he does all of the audio engineering. And then when it started to get too busy for him, he hired a, a staff, people that will do audio editing, that will do social media, that will do operations management, that will do client relationships and building. And, and he leaves me to do my stuff in my zone of genius, which is selling and building relationships. And that is key no matter what business that you're in. So, so get into that. What have you learned about building relationships, maintaining relationships, um, getting fantastic guests like uh, Jerry Vaynerchuk on your show. And, and Jeffrey, I also had him on my show. He's a great oh, guy. Nice. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So what I've learned about getting the, the, the heavy hitting guests on your show is is uh, be persistent. Don't give up with a no. I, I uh, Tyler Schmidt uh, at the time was Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, right-hand man, was his assistant. And I probably exchanged without exaggeration <clears throat> probably 30 emails with Tyler before <laughs> he even committed to getting Gary on the show and then Gary after scheduling the show 11 30 emails you're, you're way more persistent than I am <laughs> yeah yeah well for me so I, it, it just every once in a while I have it come up in my my CRM my uh, my software that I have hey don't forget to hit Gary V up for uh, you know for the interview so Week after week after month after month after probably two years, he came on the show and only because at the time he was promoting something that he was growing. So that, again, timing is everything. When I had Ariana Huffington on the show, she had just created a, um, a book called uh, – I think it was called 
sleep 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 revolution or one of her one of her new books and um yeah timing was right her publicist uh you know finally said yes after me reaching out many many times so one of the things i learned about the heavy hitting guests was be persistent one of the things i learned about uh podcasting and the production side of things was consistency is key so if you do a social media push do the same social media push for every episode that way you can start to measure what's successful and what isn't. You know, we were creating podcast episodes every Monday and Wednesday, or maybe it was one day a week, maybe it was Mondays originally. So then we went to Mondays and Wednesdays, then we went to Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, and then we went to five days a week. When we went to five days a week on our for our show, our show really started to pick up some major momentum. And so what I realized about that is consistent effort amplified out by the, the amount of episodes that you have will equal results faster. So consistency is everything when it comes to podcasting. And now that you're 300 plus episodes in, do you have a specific day that you do your podcast episodes? Do you, do you uh, really- to, to be honest, I think it would be better, but um, I, I don't I don't like the idea. Like I want to put stuff out when I feel like it and not when I'm forced to, but um, I'm nearly putting out daily episodes. So I've just started the podcast one year ago. So uh, in January. Yeah. So uh, wow. So you're so like you're I'm like doing daily. Ass. <laughs> but but <laughs> I'm hustling. But um, I'm not um, I'm not like saying to everyone and I'm doing a daily show or something like that. I put it's out daily content, it but it's it's what it is exactly. Like like every once in a blue moon, I don't upload an episode. So. Um, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, and maybe and maybe those days your your uh, your community is saying, "Hey, where was Hardy today? Yeah, where did he go?" I've already have gotten a few responses like that. So <laughs> we, uh, our community is so good that when we don't put out an episode, we have somebody will will email. I actually have they have access to my cell phone, so that our we call our our hardcore fans our Funkin' fans. <laughs> so we have about thirty or thirty five Funkin' fans in our in our community. They will actually text me when they don't see. Hey, did something happen on your hosting source today? I don't <laughs> see an episode. So it's like they keep me in check. So that's yeah. that's really nice. So from a pr- production perspective, I really learned the importance of of uh, consistency, creating an editorial calendar, taking away from me <clears throat> the things that I don't want to do that don't, aren't fun for me and giving it to somebody on my on my team. In the beginning, when you don't have a team, which nobody has a team when they start, especially solopreneurs, uh, when you don't have a team, you're going to have to do all that stuff, which actually is good because you'll learn how to do it just in case there's an issue down the road. Um, but at some point you want to give away the things that you are not proficient at and are not in your zone of genius and, and give it to somebody that it is theirs and they will be passionate about it and they will come to you with ideas that will help you grow your business and create systems as well. And, um, that's been key for us. We have, um, uh, seven people on our staff right now and, uh, and it's great for us to have them because they're our sounding board for it for everything. And so we've been, you know, highly successful because of our team, not because of anything necessarily that I've done specifically, but everybody on our team contributes. Yeah. And I I would also like to add that I really think the fortune is in the follow-up. So I get so, so many guests um, that hop on the show because I followed up with them um, week after week after week. Like I'm sending like, uh, I think my, my follow-up sequence ends after like six or seven emails. So I probably have to change, change it like to 30, but uh, <laughs> no, you're probably, you're probably good. Unless you're going after a specific guest, I would say a handful of guests is probably good. And your follow-up was really good with me. I think we did it through, uh, through LinkedIn originally and um, I don't know what it was about the follow-up that you had other than maybe it was consistent, yeah. uh, but you had a personal message. I don't even know what it was, but I said yes to you. And there's so many people that I say, and I'm not saying this from an ego perspective, but I said yes to you and I say no to 95% of the people because <laughs> you know something about what you did was just genuine. So I'm like, okay, well, this dude, is he's a good guy and it seems like he's good. And I checked out some of the stuff that you do and I'm like, okay, that sounds like this would be a good a good opportunity for, for both of us. <laughs> Glad to hear that. And I, uh, I think um, another mistake that a lot of people are making is that, like you've mentioned, they're sending like very generic, very generic podcast invitation and especially when you haven't put uh when you only have like five episodes or ten episodes like nobody wants to hop on your show if you just have like a copy and paste message and it's like isn't whatsoever like personalized so uh, we are like um 
personalizing every email, but we obviously have like a framework and a template we're using and especially for the follow-up sequences. But um, I think it's really important to personalize the message uh, because like when I'm getting like a podcast invitation and somebody, it's clearly like a wall of text and a lot of right. long-winded nonsense and a lot of like bullet points and links. I'm like, just delete this. Like, <laughs> I don't want Agreed. to be... <laughs> agreed agreed short and sweet and get to the point yeah. uh, and then i and then i do a little investigation and see okay how many episodes do they have how popular how many ratings do they have uh what do they look like on social media i mean if their footprint if a, a host sh footprint looks good then i know that it's only going to help me not only get my message out but it's going to help me you know promote my show even more and and I have to mention, even if you haven't put, uh, if, even if you have uh, nothing out there already, um, I think you can get quite a few very big guests on your show if you are just a normal and nice person. Like for my for the first couple of episodes, I I got like a world champion kickboxing guy, um, some Decker millionaire who's like very popular in investing, and David Meltzer who's like a very big entrepreneur. He was like my sixth episodes or something. So you can get those big big names and big shots on your podcast when you are like genuine you are very nice to them and um yeah you are not sending them long-winded nonsense emails agreed so. agreed yeah. agreed totally agree and i would say that that's the best way to proceed is just be yourself be genuine uh, be open even if you don't have a, a show that is uh you know 300 episodes in even if it's a handful of episodes in be honest about it be honest about your downloads uh, you know if somebody's coming on your show or you invite somebody on your show and you're brand new in the podcasting space but you really want them on and they're someone that has a, a good reputation just say hey i only have a handful of episodes out but i promise you i'm going to spend the majority of my time promoting your episode because you're one of my first you're in my launch episodes you have to spin it so that it makes sense if you're genuine we had um, Jordan Harbinger on our on our show early on, and I remember one of the things that Jordan, yeah, a great guy, and Jordan came on the show, and he, um, you know, he asked me all those questions about my audience, it, not because he was trying to trap me. And he but, he's quite picky. Like he said, um, uh, I messaged him also, like, in, in uh, when I was at my like first couple of episodes, and he said, like, message me in a year. <laughs> right, right. He wants to make sure. Look, the majority of, of podcasts that are out there produce less than twelve episodes, and they. They are gone. There's 800,000 podcasts that are that are out there. 800,000. There's there's thousands, and and they're growing. I mean, the the rate of them are is growing. You know, every day. So for uh, for a guy like Jordan who gets six million downloads a month on his uh, you know on his podcast, he's gonna be he's gonna be picky. But if you're genuine and open, uh, I think we were probably two years into our show at, at that point. We didn't have a big audience, but we had an audience, and uh, and it and the podcast lives on forever. So you know, even though you only have a, a couple hundred listeners now, when when you're a year from now, when you have a couple thousand listeners or whatever, uh, that show is still available to your community, and they will go back and listen to them. and And Jordan's episode is one of those that I spotlight as a featured episode on my uh, on my website. So that people can, you know, even people visit, and I get thousands of hits every month on my website. So they are seeing Jordan's before they see anybody else's because he was nice enough to give me a chance. I want to be able to promote his episode even years later. And I'm so glad that you're saying this because um, I was just thinking about some people like are commenting uh, stuff from me on YouTube, like podcasts I've done like nine months ago and they're mentioning like something highly specific and I'm like, right. man, I can't even recall this. I don't remember that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep, exactly. exactly. So I think, so I think if you're putting stuff out there, like people will listen at, I have no experience like on on stuff because I'm just like uh, one one year in the game, so to speak. But um, people are listening to your stuff that's eight months old, nine months old, eleven months old. So probably in in your case, like stuff you put out like two years ago or something. Yeah, and what's what's interesting now, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it it wasn't this way when it was when it was iTunes, but now that it's Apple Podcasts, if you download the new app, the Apple Podcast app, the way that it works now is that when you subscribe to the show, it you could previously only go back to their first you know their their last 300 episodes now yeah. you can go back you can go back to the entire catalog now all the way back to episode number one didn't know that when did they change so, that I, well with the new apple podcast app 
I guess it's an Apple Podcast app. I just bought a computer, a, a new Mac, but um, I still have iTunes on it, not um, not Apple Podcasts yet. And uh, with the Apple Podcast app, when you click on subscribe, you can actually go back to the full catalog. We were, I was okay. sitting with a buddy, and he was showing. He's like, "Hey, yeah, I can get your 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 welcome episode." I'm like, "Oh my God, don't <laughs> listen to that episode." <laughs> so, could you please? Because I think it's like a, a very big trend nowadays. Like people are, are wanting to do, or they want to do like interview podcasts. So, um, what would you tell them about like? questioning their guests and um, how they should think about like conducting the interview and um, yeah could you please speak to that yeah so you know the best advice that I would share with somebody is do enough research so that you know a little bit about the guest that's coming on the show write the intro but don't do anything beyond that don't write out your 10 questions that you're going to ask them because mm -hmm. if Hardy if you and I were to meet at a coffee shop after you saying hey I'd love to come or I want to be on your show and me inviting you on the show when you, I, you get to the coffee shop, I'm not going to sit down there like a journalist with my clipboard and my questions <laughs> already pre-written out and say, okay, here's question number one, answer this. I'm going to have a conversation with you like we're two human beings actually having coffee and having a good time. And, and when you do stuff like that, you get so much more information out of the person that is sitting across the table from you or across the virtual table from you, and in this case with Skype or with Zoom. So I would say to you, write out the intro so that your community knows who you're about to talk to and why they're credible, how they connect them to your community. Maybe ask them a question a little bit about their background, just like you did at the beginning of this, and then just have a conversation with the person. Um, you can have some go-to questions if you get if you're if you're afraid that you're going to run out of it, stuff it, to it, talk about. It seems like I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you're kidding. totally. You're having a conversation. <laughs> you know what makes this a better conversation is the fact that and, and more challenging though is instead of doing this as an audio where I can actually look at my notes and ask questions <laughs> and start researching stuff. I have to make in order for this to be a, a you know a good human to human connection. I really do have to make through my camera eye contact with you as much as possible. So I don't want to be all over my office and doing a million things. I want to be focused on you. And it's really hard when you have questions written out um, for you to have those in front of you and have that eye to eye connection with that with your guest as well. So, yeah, I would say to you, the key is to just um, to, to have a good interview, um, to do enough research to know who you're talking to. But then to put the questions aside and just have a conversation with that person, that will be the most effective, the most genuine way to, for you to have that conversation. Uh, fantastic advice. And um, to be honest, I haven't been like uh, on so, so many podcasts, like maybe like five or ten. But um, all my guests told me that it's very, very annoying if someone <laughs> just is asking question after question after question after question. And um, I, I, so I'm not listening to, to a lot of podcasts, but it seems to be like a big mistake that a, a lot of beginners are making. So um, Agreed. Yeah. And um, I also think that, like you've mentioned, it's really important to make your research, but don't overdo it. For instance, I had a few guests um, who I have done like extensive research on, and um, then they canceled our appointment. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so I think it's also a big mistake to spend like uh, day and night researching your podcast guests to later find out like they don't even hop on your show. So. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, you. I have found that, um, that some of those important, especially the heavy hitting, the big yeah, influencer guests, I can you do that and then that. they cancel, you're like, oh boy, <laughs> that's not, not good for anybody. <laughs> so um, what are the things that we haven't touched upon yet on podcasting that fascinate you, that you might want to share with our audience that you think are valuable for everyone who's listening to this? And um, yeah. So one of the pieces of advice I give to the majority of my clients that come through our production company is that um, if you treat podcasting like this little side thing that you have in your business. So I have my, I have my let's say, my speaking business or I have my, my book business or I have my consulting business and oh yeah, and I have a podcast over here on the side. If you just use it as this, this thing on the side, it's going to give you this thing on the side results. If you incorporate the podcast as a part of your entire marketing plan and your business model, you will find it not only will uh, be a great way to create content, 
but it'll be a wonderful business development tool, lead generation tool for you, money maker, influence builder, and community builder that uh, that you couldn't get if you just treated it like this thing on the side. So treat it like a hobby, you get hobby results. Treat it like a business, you're going to get big business results. And don't be afraid to invest a little bit of money and time into things like production. You know, when when somebody says, oh my gosh, I can't imagine spending whatever, $1,000 a month on producing my podcast when it's not making any money. And my, my role as your producer is to help you understand that you don't have just your hand on this little thing that's on the side. My job is to help you build this into your entire business plan and your business strategy so that whatever money you spend with me, that you make five times, 10 times that throughout the course of your year. So if you're spending ten or $12,000 a year on your podcast to produce it, I'm hoping that you're going to pull anywhere between one hundred to $300,000 out of your podcast as a result of it or more. It just depends on what services that you are offering and what relationships and joint venture partnerships and affiliate uh, deals that you have going. But my job is to make sure that you have money coming in the door to pay for that production and you'll never say goodbye. If I can help you make money using your show as the tool, you'll never say goodbye to me. And that's that's terrific. That's what I'm looking for. Great advice. And um I would also like to add that if you are new uh, at entrepreneurship and or, or you you are not uh, you don't have like a very established brand or business, I think like podcasting um, is maybe like a long term thing, but you shouldn't neglect sales. Like for instance, like the majority of our revenue is definitely coming from um, from just normal sales, and um, I think it's like really important to have both like a short-term plan and long-term plan. And I would also like to mention that um, I think it's, especially when you're doing interviews, it's so important to all also put in your own perspective, your own points of view, your own opinions, because I think at the end of the day, no one is listening to your show just because you are having like Gary Vaynerchuk on your show or the big shots, but they're listening to the show of Doc because of Doc. And um, they're listening to my show because uh, I'm Hardy Haberland. All my guests, I have the same guests as everyone has. I have the same guest as Tim Ferriss. You can listen to him. I have the same guest as Jens Archer. You can listen to him. But um, if you want to listen to my show, you're really doing it for me at the end of the day, I would say. So I think it's really important to be yourself when you are doing this and um, to share your story, share your, your, your opinions. And um, yeah. Yeah, well said, Hardy. And, and just keep in mind, as you have guests on your show, your community may come for your guests, but they're going to stay because of you. Yeah. So they may come to hear that one episode, but they're going to stay because said, you're yeah. Hardy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, totally how, how it is. And, the, and, and for those entrepreneurs that you just spoke to that don't really have a business plan yet, if you start your podcast, you'll start to, uh, you'll start to determine based upon building a small community what that community wants it's key at some point to, to understand what your, you know, I always call it, uh, you know, under, know your mom, get to know your mom, your market, your offer and your message. And if you don't have a market that, you know, is clearly defined, if you don't have an offer that's clearly defined, and you don't have a message that's clearly defined, you're going to have a, a challenge. So don't expect much out of your podcast in the beginning, but still do it because there is a way to do it and have that all evolve as you were building your podcast. Yeah. And. I have so many great examples. I had so many great examples on my show. For instance, one that comes to mind is Ivan Carmichael. He said like in his first year of YouTube, he had like two, three comments. One of his uh, mother, one of his sister, and one of some stranger. <laughs> so, um, and now he's at like two million followers on YouTube. So wow. even as things are growing like slowly, I think um, you you have to believe in it and keep at it. So agreed, agreed. <laughs> well said, Hardy. Well said. <laughs> so um, at the end, I always ask five questions to every guest uh, of my show. Um, but before I do that, could you please uh, share with us your best advice? On all the things we've talked, uh, we have touched upon today. Like, what would you tell our listeners? Someone that is looking into podcasting and getting into this world of uh, of the podcasting space. I, I said it earlier, but it is still, you know, my best piece of advice that I give to every one of my clients because they all are in the same position of getting started. It's stop letting uh, perfect be the enemy of done. Just get it done. Get it done, and you know, fuck it up really good because you're not going to be good in the beginning at anything you do. You're not going to be good. 
just be bad for long enough to get good at it and uh, and don't let enemy perfect be the enemy of done. Great advice. So um, could you please tell everyone where can they connect with you on the social webs, listen to your podcast, work with you and so on and so forth? Yeah, the best thing is, and I have a gift for those that are in your audience. If you want to learn how to make money from podcasting, which is oftentimes the, the way that people are, you know, uh, kind of uh, focused on how do you do that, you can just go to um, turnkeypodcast.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T, and, uh, and there is a way for you to get a, a free download from me. We just need your, your email address so that we can send it over to you, but uh, it's turnkeypodcast.com forward slash gift. Anywhere on social media, the best place to get to me is uh, is DJ Doug. That is my uh, that's my Twitter handle. That's where I am on Instagram as well, uh, or Doug Sandler on uh, on Facebook, and they can join our group. But just join my personal, uh, just become one of my friends on Facebook, or or check me out on Twitter or Instagram as well at DJ Doug. Got it. So um, the first out of the five question is, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? Well, I come back to a book that I probably read a decade ago called uh, Who Moved My Cheese uh, by Spencer Johnson. It talks all about change and how to manage change in um, in your life. I think that that is a really good book. Very easy read, probably two or three hours to, to get through the book. Very, sh very short book. Uh, going back to a book that was written a long time ago by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, definitely, uh, as you think, so as, so as you are. Um, Think and Grow Rich is really a, a, the, the key book if you're an entrepreneur and trying to grow your business. It talks about all the strategies that you have to uh, you know, put yourself through in order, to, uh, in, in order to think and grow rich. And then uh, my dad wrote a book called You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. Uh, it really is all about great title. <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a great title because it really is about look you can go through all the training and be as book smart as you want to be uh, but uh, but unless you're actually out there doing something and taking action nothing is going to happen so make sure that you are actually taking action on the on the things that you want also my dad unfortunately passed away um, about 23 years ago before I really as an adult had a chance to get to know him really well. And so it, there's a lot of his life story that's in there, his early on life story that um, that is good for me to to read about. And I still think to this day, hey, how would my dad, you know, respond or react to this situation? So he's he's with me whether it's through my uh, through through my uh, my podcast or any business decisions that I make. The second question is, um, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? Oh, okay. Well, being a, a a guy that loves sales and the the um, and the psychology behind sales, uh, there was a movie called Glen Gary, Glen Ross. I don't mm. know if you've ever seen yeah, it, yeah. but it's a, a great really film. good, great film, very really, entertaining, really good movie. Yep, really entertaining. Uh, in college, I studied Alfred Hitchcock in uh, in English literature and um, all of the uh, symbolism and foreshadowing that uh, Alfred Hitchcock did in all of his movies, but specifically a movie called Marnie. Uh, was really good. I love that. And um, oh, I recently saw I recently saw a movie called Ford versus Ferrari, and uh, I'm a huge fan. I have a 1965 uh, Ford Mustang convertible, so um, I feel really uh, connected to the the Mustang brand. And so the <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari story was good. It was taught me a lot of stuff that he didn't know didn't know about uh, about the car. So um, the third question is. Uh, most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Oh, geez, that's that's easy. I'm, uh, I use it every day. I use both of these every day. One is my iPhone. Without my phone, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a solo business guy or I'm a guy that has a team, but I work remotely from my entire team. So my phone allows me to actually leave my office if I ever choose to do that. I rarely leave my office, but it's only because I, the big world is out there. And it's kind of <laughs> scary. Um, so my iPhone 11, uh, 11 Pro is is really cool, and I love the speed at which it does uh, its its uh, its information, uh, you know, uh, gathering. Also, my iMac uh, just recently got my second iMac. I've had the previous one since 2012. I got the new one with the quad core processor and really heavy duty uh, memory. I spent <laughs> so much time. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Between my Mac. And my iPhone, I spend the majority of my day, so why not have the best in technology, or at least what I consider the best in technology? So without those two things, it would be very hard to do my job. Fourth question, um, 
<clears throat> most important realizations you've had in the last couple of years? And we had some guests who shared something deeply personal oh. about their career, family life, relationships, time. But speak to anything you feel comfortable sharing with us today. Well, my realization um, really only came within the last, I would say, year and a half. Um, I have had some, like I said, I've had some challenges in in my relationships that I've had. I've had two failed marriages, and and uh, and part of it again, I said earlier, the common denominator in those was was me, and so I had to really take a, a deep, hard look on what what it is, what wounds do I have that are not allowing me to either get close enough or not allowing me to open up enough during a during a relationship. But part of it also is my philosophy that I just have to get this done and not the relationship, but whatever it is that I'm doing, I need to get this done. The realization is that it's never going to get done. It's not all going to get done. There's always the list after the list. And the moment I started to really focus on that, it's like, yes, there are priorities in your life. And yes, there are things that have the to get done. The list after the list. <laughs> yeah. Like it's this. never it's never all going to get done. So you may as well just realize that now. An ambitious person will always have a list of priorities, even when the priorities that they're working on right now get done. So just know that and, uh, and be, be okay with that. The last question for the day is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? So I'll go back to a Henry Ford quote, just because I'll stay within the theme of Henry Ford uh, and, the, and the Ford Mustang that I have. It's whether you think that you can or you can't, you're right. So if you think that you can accomplish something, you will. If you think that you can't accomplish something, that same reality will, will happen. Uh, my dad always used to tell me, you know, there was a quote that says, if somebody else has done this before, you're going to be able to accomplish it. It's not impossible. And what my dad really taught me is that even if someone hasn't accomplished it, you can still accomplish it. So to to think as uh, as boldly as that um, is is good advice that I would give to myself when I was 20, because I always thought that there was a reason why this wasn't going to happen. And if it didn't happen, it was because of the reason why, not because of the reality of it didn't happen. It will happen. You just have to think it can happen and it will. <laughs> nice conversation, Hardy. Nice. This was a blast. So uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. No, my my pleasure. I was excited to be here, and uh, you've only been on five to ten podcasts, but now I got to get you on my. Now I got to make you one of my targets to get on my podcast now. <laughs> but but you have to follow up with me thirty times. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, uh, if you're going to be a pain in the ass, I'm not going to chase you because you know. Fortunately, I'm in a position now where I don't have to chase anybody. It's the people that are coming to me. You know, uh, John C. Maxwell who is a pretty big uh, name in leadership, we just got a call from his office that he wants to try to schedule the time. And I looked in January and there was basically no time. So uh, we he scheduled around my schedule instead of the other way around because he obviously had some good results the first time he was on the show, which I love to know. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for the episode and have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out.